You're listening to Today's Law with practicing attorney Patrick King. Patrick will discuss legal points of view, history, government and politics, and current events. Whatever your pleasure, join Patrick King for an insightful and entertaining half hour. Here's the host of Today's Law, Patrick King. Good evening, I'm Patrick King, and this is Today's Law on WBGZ. Tonight we are live and producing our fourth radio show. After tonight, we will have two more shows planned with the purpose of helping you better understand how laws affect each day, how they affect us. Last show, we discussed the supreme law of the land and foundation of American democracy, the United States Constitution. Part of our discussion had focused on the Bill of Rights, such as the right to a jury trial, the right to a lawyer, and other constitutional protections. Tonight, though, we're going to narrow our focus and talk about the judicial branch of government. This branch, the court system, often leads to confusion, controversy, and commentary. As a lawyer, I'm involved with the court system every single day. Contrary, most of my clients have very little experience or exposure to the court system. When faced with a legal proceeding, lawsuit, or other court case, there is great fear, confusion, and apprehension. This system, however, plays a central and vital role in our democracy. The court system can create or limit our freedoms, liberties, and rights. In the United States, there are two court systems, federal and state. Tonight, we will focus on both and, in part, the Illinois Workers' Compensation Commission, or the system, Workers' Comp System, which is an administrative body outside of the court system but functions in a similar manner. To help with the conversation, I am joined by my guest and friend, Attorney Will Miller. Will has been a licensed attorney since 1992 and is licensed to practice law in both Illinois and Missouri. For the majority of his career, Will has practiced in the areas of asbestos, personal injury, and workers' compensation. In addition, Will serves as corporate counsel to the village of East Alton. Will and I share the same office building, and we are going to be back here in a few moments to start the conversation. To participate in today's program, email us at todayslawradio at gmail.com. You can watch or listen to all episodes of Today's Law at kinglawfirmllc.com and at confluenceba.com. Now, back to Patrick King. This evening, we are discussing the judicial branch, the federal and state court system, and Illinois workers' compensation system. I am Patrick King, your host. I am here with local attorney uh, Will Miller. Um, well, let's get started. Uh, Will, we'll get you in the conversation. Uh, Will, let's just talk about how do the courts affect our daily lives? What do you see out there? The courts are the backbone of the judicial system. Without the court system, we wouldn't have the country that we have, the states that we have, or the counties that we have. What I see day to day in my practice, whether it be at the Illinois Workers' Compensation Commission, the docket itself, or in Madison County, is attorneys who are wanting to do the right things for the right reasons to help their clients. We all have those clients who have been injured in one way or another, and the court system is what allows us access to help those who have been injured. 
Yeah, um, you know, I, I agree that that when we say the word injured, we mean in part what we do is personal injury practice, where we represent people who have been injured as a result of an intentional tort or negligence, such as a auto accident. But also, uh, Will and I both are in the criminal courts, and their people feel that the the weight of the system is coming down on them, sometimes unfairly. And so not only in civil court, but also in criminal courts, uh, people have a lot of fear and apprehension. And so you, you go to felony court or criminal court like I do once in a while, and we're there representing an individual, not the government, but a person, a single person who in part feels like they're victimized by the very nature of them being a criminal defendant, depending on their innocence or guilt. So, Will, when you go to criminal court, what are your clients, what are, what are you often hearing from your clients in terms of either their apprehension or fear, or what are they looking for out of you? The biggest fear I have heard from most of my clients, they are nervous about the court system in general. They're uncomfortable with going to court. They don't know which courthouse to go. As you know, Patrick, in Edwardsville, you have the felony courthouse. You have the courthouse that's not uh, for the more serious situations. Oftentimes, the, the clients don't know which courthouse to go to. They don't know what floor to be on. They don't know what room to be in. But fortunately, most of the people who work at the courthouse, the bailiffs, Clerks, they're all very kind, they're all very gracious, and they will help when possible. Yeah, uh, to, to lead into that, I was at the courthouse uh, this week uh, on, on Monday. Actually, it was Friday last week, so let's go back Friday. Um, and I was there, and there was a lady waiting for her sister. Her sister had been charged with a crime. Her sister suffers from severe mental illness. And she was supposed to be seeing the judge by TV court. That is, she was being held at the Madison County Jail. Her sister was there to find out whether bail bond would be set. That is, does her sister get released? She didn't know what courtroom to be in. She didn't know where her sister was located. She didn't know what time the judge would be coming out. And that's just one example of somebody who was called very quickly to show up her sister, uh, she's sort of like a mother to her sister. It's more of a mother-daughter relationship than sister to sister. And that's a great example of where am I supposed to be for my sister and who, who's the judge? And you're right, the court clerks, though, the circuit clerks, the bailiffs are all very, very helpful. Ron, do you want to chime in on something? Well, I just, I, I have to ask, as uh, just a layman, and, and I'm fascinated to, to watch attorneys talk about navigating the system and and how frustrating it is for you just trying to represent people and give them the best care those of us who have to go to court and appear you know and 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 show up at the right time and the right place follow the rules do what you have recommended we do uh, how difficult is it you know, to maintain your composure uh, as a as a client, as a client or the lawyer, as a client. All right, Will, you take this one. I mean, you're a professional, so you you have to maintain your Try you to. know proper decorum. But but I'm the guy being charged and seem to have everything at risk. You know, I'm what should I shouldn't do here? 
when I go to the courthouse, whether I'm there to represent someone or someone comes up to me just with a question, as a professional, a member of the bar, I try to be courteous, I try to be polite, I try to maintain my composure, although I'm certain you'll find those that will say otherwise. But what I try to do with my clients or anyone who asks, <clears throat> be respectful of the process, be respectful of the court, be respectful of the judge and the prosecutors because they're all there to do a job. That said, you're innocent until proven guilty. If you have a legitimate argument or position, the prosecutors will listen. If you have an attorney, your attorney is the person who will present your side of the case uh, to those prosecutors. And ultimately, if we all work together in a professional manner, maintaining our composure, then oftentimes the results will be what they need to be. Although I hear it all the time from clients, the system's slow, it takes too long, I'm nervous about going in, I don't know where to go. But I always tell them that's a good thing because if you don't know the system, you don't know where to go, that means you're not here very often and you're not a part of the system, especially in the criminal world. Mm -hmm. uh, Great and, point. And, and to lead into what, what Will just said, Many times, um, you're right, being respectful of the process uh, and, and being patient is so important, but for somebody who has been charged with a crime or somebody who has been victimized and has a lawsuit pending, the process is arduous, it is slow. And many, the, the common thing that I often hear is, well, when do I get to talk to the judge? That's, that's what clients want to do. <laughs> And I say, well, at this time, you're not going to get to talk to the judge. The judge is here for maybe a first appearance. Do you plead guilty or not guilty? The judge is not here to listen to the facts of the case. And so I think that's a common um, misconception or misunderstanding. People think they show up to court for the very first time, and you're going to have a, a jury box filled with 12 impartial jurors, like you see on Law & Order, ready to decide the case. That's not what happens in real life. What real life happens is there's several court dates, whether it's a civil case, a divorce case, a personal injury case, a criminal case, before the judge or a jury, if it's a jury case, would hear or decide the facts of the case. So oftentimes patience is something that Will and I have to instill in our clients. Be patient. There is a process. The process is there for a reason. Um, but that, that's often what we see here. Now, Will, when, when someone comes into the office uh, and, and they have to go to court, um, what are their biggest fears about, like, let's say, hiring a lawyer? What, when people come, what, what's their apprehension about either hiring a lawyer or finding the right lawyer? When people come into our office, generally speaking, they're coming in to see me about a work injury or a personal injury case. Inevitably, a person who is coming in, they're nervous about talking to a lawyer because they see all the television programs. They think we all have multiple Porsches, big mansions. Uh, that's not reality. The reality is we're day-to-day -day people just like they are. We just happen to have law degrees. So I try to put them at ease by being in the office so that it's not uncomfortable for them. It doesn't put pressure on them. Uh, but more than anything, then they say, hey, what's this going to cost me? Mm 
Absolutely. And that's the number one thing that most clients are concerned about. And I agree with that. You know, I, I handle a fair amount of personal injury cases where we tell them, and so do you, Will, that if you hire us, the only way we get paid is on what we call a contingency fee. And that means that we have to win the case by verdict, uh, winning a case with a judge or jury or settlement, and we would get a percentage if we would win. Whereas in a criminal case, it's an upfront payment generally, or a divorce case is by the hour. So cost, I agree, cost is always the the big factor. What's this going to cost me? And it, oftentimes these folks are faced in very stressful situations where, where money's either tied or is non-existent. The other thing is what you hit on earlier, Will, was time. How much time is this going to take? And you tell them six months, two years, and their eyes light up, and then you <clears> have to get into the process. So uh, part of being a lawyer is explaining the process and walking people through avoiding the, the minefield because there's so many traps along the way. And um, while we're on talking about basically a little bit about injury, I'll come back to the court system here in a few minutes and we can talk a little about the structure of the court system here maybe towards the end. But here's a good time. Let's talk a little bit now about workers' comp and the Illinois Work Comp Commission and how is that different from going to court? The Work Comp Commission, we don't have a judge and jury, as what you were talking about in a personal injury case, a criminal case, or what most people see on television. We have an arbitrator who's appointed by the governor. There is no jury, so there is no jury trial that you would see on television, for example. And that arbitrator is the person who will ultimately decide the case. They're essentially playing the role of the judge similar to any type of personal injury case that's being decided by a judge as opposed to a jury. As to when clients come into the office on a workers' compensation case, in Illinois, it's governed, the fees are governed by statute. It's 20% plus cost. So oftentimes, I can put that aside once I explain that to a client or a potential client because then there isn't the, well, what's your retainer? How much money do I have to have up front? How much are you going to charge me per hour? It is that contingency fee like what we have in the personal injury arena. But when I show them the stat, the contract that's put out by the Industrial Commission, oftentimes they feel better by that because it has the look of being a legal document. There's, and, and they don't have to front the cost. That is correct. They don't have to front the fee. So I think... With that, that puts them at ease much sooner so that I can get in and explain. There is no judge and jury. It's an arbitrator. Here's the system. Your case is going to show up on the docket. And in that respect, it's very similar to a criminal case or a civil case. And when you represent petitioners, those are people who have been injured, um, just just briefly kind of go through, um, you know, when the case gets started, what, what are some of the things that happen, you know, from getting the case filed, the treatment, to eventual maybe settlement? Just briefly kind of walk somebody through, if they were injured on the job, what can they totally expect? Well, what happens is if you're injured on the job in the state of Illinois as well as the state of Missouri in most states, uh, there's a system in place. Illinois is a state that is still what I consider to be more pro-injured worker friendly. However, that is changing. And when you're injured, you have certain rights under the Work Comp Act. You have the right to seek your own medical care. 
up to two doctors of your choosing within referrals, and you can see as many as long as there's a referral. If you're off work, your employer, their representatives are to pay your weekly benefits, which is 66.66% of your average weekly wage is called your temporary total disability benefits. So you're entitled to weekly compensation while you're off, you're entitled to your medical care and treatment and payment of medical bills. The medical bills are pursuant to this Illinois work comp statute now. It's a fee schedule, so there's a, a percentage that will be paid to the doctor for those care for that care. Upon conclusion of your medical care and treatment, ultimately if the individual is released to return to work with or without restrictions, it depends, then we have to sit down and discuss, here's the case, here's what your medical care and treatment was, here's how the system works, and then we try to resolve that case via settlement or prepare it for arbitration. An arbitration would be where it's like a, a bench trial or judge trial. It's just one person that will decide the facts of the case and assess the credibility of the witnesses. That is correct. It's, it's very similar to what we would do in a civil setting uh, in a bench trial. And, and, and so thank you for that, Will. And getting back now to the court system, when we talk jury trial or bench trial, what we're, we'll go through the differences very briefly here, that a, a bench trial is where the judge would hear the facts of a case. It can be a, a civil case, like a personal injury or a probate case or divorce, or in a criminal case where the government is prosecuting somebody, the judge in a bench or judge trial hears the facts of the case and then assesses the credibility of the witnesses and weighs the evidence and then makes the decision. Whereas at a jury trial, which both the state and the federal constitutions guarantee the right to not only a civil jury trial but also criminal, the jury decides the facts of the case and assesses the evidence and the credibility of witnesses. And so those are the two differences. Um, last week when we talked a little bit about the constitutional rights, your Fifth, Sixth, and Seventh Amendments, that's what we were talking about in part is the right to a trial, the right to um, have your heard case by 12 peers. Now about jury trial work, um, Will, we often see in, in criminal and personal injury cases somewhere between 97 to 99% of cases don't go to trial. And so from the, uh, you know, you represent individuals like I do, what are some of the reasons why you see cases don't go to trial, either in a civil case or a criminal case? Well, oftentimes in a civil case, you'll work a case up, and by that I mean you'll do the interrogatories, you'll take depositions. It's, a, it's like a play, and as that play unfolds, more and more is revealed, and oftentimes a case will not go to trial because all of the actors are aware of the plot by that point in time and you'll have a case settle. Oftentimes it's as they used to say on the courthouse steps on the day of the case being set for trial. In a workers compensation case for example once the individual's been released and if you've been doing this as long as I have for 25 years now you have an understanding of what those issues are, what the value of the case is, and if you're dealing with a likewise experienced defense attorney who you've got a, rep, a relationship with, you oftentimes do not have to try the case. Now, there are occasions where that does occur. In a criminal case, um, I've had clients who did not want to go to trial simply because they knew they were guilty. 
uh, and they were looking to cut the best deal possible uh, to avoid Very true. going to trial. Uh, you've probably had those in your practice. Absolutely. As well. I I have a quick question about sure. that. Um, well, I'm curious. Uh, I want to go. I want to have a say in the deal. You know, and, and I, I may not really, but but for humor me here mm-hmm. in that. I don't necessarily, maybe I don't want you and the other, you know, attorney cutting the deal with each other. And what do clients, how do they feel about that? Well, and how do you overcome that? Well, we are not, as you say, cutting the deal. Before I would make a demand for settlement, for example, in a workers' compensation case, I've met with my client. I've explained the issues, uh, the good and the bad, and obtained authority to proceed with trying to resolve the matter via a settlement demand. Opposing counsel typically would then respond. Naturally, they respond on the absolute low end because that's what they do to try to save insurance companies money. Um, And then you negotiate between. Now, I have had clients tell me, and I have it on a regular basis, well, I want to be heard, as you said. That's fine. I explain. The way you'll be heard is if we arbitrate your case, because otherwise you're not going to be heard in terms of what you believe the facts are. Now, there are occasions where I will try a case or have tried cases in the past where the client was just adamant that they wanted the arbitrator to know the effects of this injury on them, and that's fine. But the reality is most clients who initially say that As they go through the process, you answer their questions, you explain the issues to them, they start having a better understanding. And then inevitably what happens when it gets close to going to trial, they get nervous and say, I really don't want to go to trial because they realize it's not what you see on television because it may have taken three years and that initial passion for wanting to do something has long since gone. Um, But again, if you Mm. talk to your clients, explain the process, the good and the bad, I find that most of my clients are very reasonable and understanding. Yeah, and and, and that's very good, Will. And and when we we talk about getting authority from our clients, what we're saying is that uh, let's take a a civil case where there's an auto accident. We represent the injured person known as the plaintiff. We would say, for example, the insurance company is offering $20,000. That's their final offer. Do I have your permission to settle the case? And they say yes, or they say no. And that's what we're talking about in a criminal case, for example, if it's one of those situations where the prosecutor says, well, in order to avoid trial, I will offer uh, this set of facts or this set of uh, terms and conditions. Uh, Could be probation. It could be court supervision. We always get authority from the client. So... In one way, the client is heard through their lawyer oftentimes when you are represented that that this is what they're offering to avoid trial. When people say they want their day in court, that can happen, but oftentimes that's at the end of the case. That's at the end of the case. Um, to, to switch gears a little bit here and more, we got about five to seven minutes. Um, I wanted to kind of go more broad-based now. 
and, and just talk about our two different systems and really the functionality of the system, something that you had said early on, Will, about how really the court system can be the backbone of our country. We have a federal system, uh, federal courts that have trial courts, appellate court, and the U.S. Supreme Court. And federal courts are really of limited jurisdiction where it's got to be a matter pertaining to federal law or the Constitution or perhaps two people from different states suing each other. State court, like we were talking about here in Madison County, is more of general jurisdiction. That is, there's a trial court where you have the, the cases heard by judge or jury, an appellate court, and an Illinois Supreme Court. And so we have these two systems. Uh, most of us are familiar with state court. Will and I practice mainly in state court. Uh, Exclusively for me in state court. <laughs> I'm not licensed in federal court, and nor will I be. Yeah, that's good reason. It's very, it's very different. Uh, I've, I've had a few cases in federal court, uh, but we much as plaintiff attorneys, we prefer to be in state court. Back to your point, Will. We were just talking in the other room. Will's a history major, as I, and he's a political science major, as am I. And the founding fathers always kind of come into these conversations in history. And so, Will, in your mind, what? When the, when the when they were drafting this constitution, when they envisioned the judicial branch, what what were they looking at? Why do they have a trial by jury, and why do they set up this independent branch of government known as the judicial system? I believe the founders, coming naturally off the heels of England and how that system is different in that country, the founders were smart. They understood that. You had to have your day in court. We all have certain rights, as you discussed earlier. And to have those decisions made by a jury of your peers, it's the backbone of our country. It truly is. And for those reasons, I think that they were so far ahead of their time in the way they constructed the Constitution and the Bill of Rights. And I agree. And I and I tell, when I've done jury selection on some cases, I, I've said, well, you know, you're you don't really want to be here for jury selection, um, but this is the really only form of direct democracy. This is where the, the voter, the citizen, ha can actually make a decision of government. Uh, when they're deciding a case, that is a judicial function. That is a governmental function. So they actually get a say in what happens. And so like you're saying, the jury of peers means people like us and just ordinary citizens have the right to decide a case. That's, that's, that's unheard of in most parts of the world. And to follow up on that, anytime you're selected for jury duty, uh, I think it's something that should be taken very seriously. And most of the people in the cases that I've been involved with, uh, the jurors do take it very seriously, and they do a great job. It's a privilege, I think. It's an absolute privilege. And it, it's something that, that all can be annoyed by, but it's something that's important. Well, we, we have about one minute left, and in, in the final minute, I'm going to just uh, give some closing thoughts here. We hope that you found our information uh, valuable. Um, we know that the court system is often a system that has confusion and controversy, and many times people don't know where to look. What I would suggest is if you do have a case and you don't know if you want to get a lawyer or not, call one. Set an appointment. Most lawyers offer free consultations. There are self-help websites, but I would caution you to be careful as to what you read and find on the Internet, just like you're not going to self-diagnose yourself with medicine. So the judicial branch has, um, it serves a purpose. Yes, it, it is confusing at times, 
But I think the best bet for you is to investigate and to find somebody to speak to who's competent, and that would be probably a licensed attorney in most cases. As we're getting close to close the show, uh, I'll be back on the air live August 2nd. I wish to thank uh, Will Miller for being here today with me. I thank you for the listening audience and for our listeners. Until next time, I'm Patrick King. Be sure to send your questions or comments to todayslawradio at gmail.com and continue the conversation on the King Law Firm Facebook page. Today's Law with Patrick King is a production of Confluence Business Advisors and distributed by Confluence Media Network. This program is produced live at the studios of WBGZ Radio in Alton, Illinois. You can watch or listen to Today's Law at kinglawfirmllc.com and confluenceba.com.